justification is happening and it's not because of our goodness it's because of the goodness of jesus what's happening everybody welcome to the recovering hypocrite podcast i am as always your host and the chief recovering hypocrite around these parts noel jesse hakenen and I want to start out today by telling you something I'm really excited about, mostly just for me. So I have been, I love, like, uh, my friend Yoshi kind of designed the Recovering Hypocrite logo that we have, and I've always wanted a coffee mug with the logo on it. So I went out searching for coffee mugs, and I was like, I want a coffee mug that I can print it on. And I found this company that will do on-demand printing. Like, I only need to order, like, one of anything. So I was going through their site, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can do, like, mugs and t-shirts and stuff like that. And I've had some people ask about this. So here's the bottom line. If you want a recovering hypocrite coffee mug or a t-shirt or actually even a face mask, true story, put face masks on there because it was funny and it's on-demand printing, so it doesn't even really matter. Um, You can go to the show notes or head over to noeljesse.com slash podcast. And my favorite is there's this massive coffee mug. It's a 14-ouncer. And so this huge coffee mug is my favorite. And uh, and so if you want any of that stuff, it, it, it it's really cheap. but And I really don't make very much money. I think I'm going to donate all the money that comes in from it anyway. I'm just doing this because I wanted the coffee mug. So anyway, there you go. That's my little pitch for today. Today, um, I am really, really excited to have a fellow Michigan pastor uh, on the podcast, a friend of mine from Troy. His name is RJ Grunwald. And uh, what I want to do is start out for with three publicly available piece of information about RJ, and then we'll let him introduce himself to you with three pieces of information that eh, the world just may not know about. The first is, uh, he is the next-gen pastor at Faith Lutheran Church in Troy. His wife is Jessica. He has three kids, um, Eli, Emmy, and Alice. And he is, and this is the reason he's on the podcast today, the author of a book called Reading Romans with Luther, which is a crazy idea. So what this guy did is he wrote a book about a book that that is written about a book. And so well, there's like three layers deep of and nobody in the right mind would do that. We'll find out why he did. So we'll talk to him in a second. So RJ, so glad to have you on today. So glad I could be here. Thanks for uh, having me. I'm thrilled. So tell us three things that people may not know about you or little oh, known awesome. pieces of information. Yeah. Um, well, you said you mentioned I'm a pastor in Michigan. Um, so with that, one of the things that's unique, I'm actually a pastor at the church I grew up going to. Mm. So I started coming here, um, first or second grade with my family. And so I've grown up in the kids ministry, student ministry, and eventually, um, basically I've had every job. I've cleaned toilets. I've been an intern, worked in student ministry, and now a pastor overseeing all of our next gen ministry. So that's one thing. Well, it, um, it isn't now, normally when you start a ministry, most people don't know this. Almost everyone who starts in ministry is cleaning toilets, moving chairs, things like that. And oh, all you never things. stop doing those things. Oh, yes. It's part of yes, the still happens. <laughs> yeah. All right. So number two. Yes. Yeah. Number two. So we are, I mean, I guess everybody's kind of a new homeschooling family right now. Um, but we decided to take this year to go all in on it and just just skip the remote virtual school stuff and just try to figure out what homeschooling looks like. So we're trying that this year. How's that going? Um, that's a new thing. Um, it's really, really hard. And I really, really like it. All so how, how old are your kids? What grades are they in then? Um, my oldest is in third okay. grade and then first grade and then preschooler. Preschooler kind of just does whatever and just asks to do work the whole time 
but gets that's in the right. way. Yeah. Uh, well, you're like, you know, can you go mow two... the lawn? That's called gardening. Right. Yeah. Today, so. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but what I, I really liked just with, um, especially I have some flexibility with work schedule, just the, some of the like field trip kind of stuff to just like, Hey, Friday we're going and we're doing this and going hiking, going to the zoo. Some of those things that we didn't get to do in the school rhythms. Um, it's been really, really cool for us. That's awesome. So what's number three? Number three um, would be, I am, I'm adopted. So my, um, my biological father died when I was six. And so my, when my mom got remarried, um, my stepdad, who to me, he's just my dad. Like I, I, like, I believe I've, it almost feels like I've inherited things from just from growing up around him. He's an incredible man. Um, but I was adopted by him. Um, when when i was six seven i don't even know exactly when that's awesome um an incredible uh, so i am the man i am because of him and adoption is a really great theological concept too so i mean you get to you get to live that out and so that's not the topic for today otherwise we would get right so so that's awesome so i invited you on today because uh your book it's entitled reading romans with luther and and so this is what's fascinating to me so in all fairness um, I have a copy uh, of Martin Luther's commentary um, on Romans, uh, uh, which were actually based on lectures that he gave. Um, yep. And then I have your book on Martin Luther's book. And and really, his his commentary on Romans is not super long. I mean, it's almost like almost like twice the length of your book. <laughs> you know, he's just the lectures yeah. that I have. And so what caused you to want to write a book about Martin Luther's book about the book of Romans? Like, like walk me through <laughs> yeah. why you even wrote this thing. Well, I think for me, like I've always, so growing up in... Um, a Lutheran church. I've always had some awareness of Luther and certain theological ideas that for me growing up didn't really seem all that unique. Like I just thought this is the way people read the Bible, distinct things like distinction of law and gospel and um, how Luther describes justification. To me, that was just always the way it was until I got a little bit older as an adult, started to understand there's some uniqueness to that. Um, and as I started to, to learn and understand that and read Luther, I realized I'm a nerd. Like, I love to read these books by dead guys. I love to read Luther's works. And it might not, and like, I love to read it even if it's boring. Like, I'm going to do the work, I'm going to read it. But most of the people in my church, like, they're not going to touch it with a 10 foot pole. Like, they're like, don't even right. like, get right. me started on that. Um, and so, like, with Luther's commentary on Romans, um, like it's not it's not an easy read like it's not a good book like it's got good content um but it was it's just kind of like these lecture notes all thrown together and so if you're trying to like flip through you're not going to read it devotionally like if you're a pastor you're going to read it and help you as you're writing a sermon but it's not going to get to the average person so i tried to think about like how could i help somebody who doesn't want to read luther be a little bit more open to the idea because I think there's some really good stuff. Oh, there, there is. I mean, in a lot of ways, you can you can trace the the Protestant Reformation back to Luther teaching Romans to his seminary students, and while he's doing that, he's having his own world rocked by what he's finding on those pages. Um, and and as a church, the church where I serve as one of the pastors, we are going through the Book of Romans right now, and so it was one of those things that we were planning on doing here in 2020. 
And then we just, we almost punted it. And we thought, no, this is actually really good content for us during the season. And part of my brain was like, oh, I want to do this when there's like lots of people in the room. But I just, you know, yeah. at the same time, it's so good. So for those who don't know, and being a Lutheran pastor, you should know this inside and out. So for those <laughs> who don't know, walk us through, you know, Martin Luther's relationship with the Book of Romans and, and the impact that it had on his life and kind of, yeah, just walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, so for, for Luther, like the the commentary on Romans, he actually writes that prior to what we mark as the beginning of the Reformation, which I think is one of the interesting things, right? We mark 1517 as the year it began, because that's when Luther nails the 95 Theses on the Wittenberg door. Um, and that kind of is what sparks it. That, though, is really when it all goes viral. That's when the word starts spreading and people start to hear about it and some significant things happen. But it's years prior to that, that Luther's actually um, is a monk and he's a professor and he's preaching and teaching about the book of Romans. And so his commentary on Romans is what I really like about it. It's almost like we get a glimpse of it's as the spark is happening. Like, it's like Luther just discovered this. It's a couple years before the Reformation and the, the Wittenberg door. It's like he's, and so it's like, all right, I just read about this thing called justification and I got it all wrong. And so now I've got to tell it to my students. And so I picture him, it's like, he can't hold this in and he's in the classroom. And then you think about those students who are hearing it, who've never heard anything like this because the church um, wasn't teaching it at the time. The church didn't, like people, people couldn't read the Bible for themselves unless they unless they knew, unless they could like read and study in Latin. And so he's translating something for them and teaching them something that um, they have never heard. Um, and so that's how, and that's unfolding then. And then as we get further and further down the Reformation, he kind of puts more and more flesh on these. But at this point, these are like baby ideas. Well, I him. think a, a, a lot of the times we as modern Western American Christians, we can't fathom a world in which uh, we didn't have a, competing translations of the Bible in, our, in English, right? right. We, we just, we got yeah. a new one popping up all the time. And that's part of that spark is the whole idea of reading it in a language that you know and having the very normal meaning pop out of you. It'd yeah. be kind of like me going to a, I don't know, like a, an IT conference, a coding conference, right? And and they're all talking in, in the code of this operating system. And I'd be lost until I opened my device and I saw right. the UI, the user interface in a way that yeah. I could see it. And then, and then it's like that, yep. oh, this is that gibberish, right? So that was like right. the spark. And, and that's happening as he's studying Romans. Yeah. Well, and, I, and you think, and how unique is it too, right? That like for us, it's so normal, the idea to have the spiritual discipline where we read the Bible, like in our own quiet time, which is an important thing. Like we need to be doing that. But that point, like you read the Bible in community. Like there is no, not most people can't read the Bible apart from community. And so for them, the formation around the scripture, this is where it happens. It's in, in this room with, with the professor teaching, with the, with your pastor preaching and teaching, like that's the only way it happens. And so he's, he's having a counter formation now 
to these people who have been formed by bad teaching. Right. Well, and it's interesting that you went there because I was sitting with our uh, interns last week and we were talking about the gathered and scattered body of Christ and spiritual disciplines. And I said, listen, yeah. the first 1500 years of the church, there's no printing press. And, and so what you've got is people go to church, quote unquote, they hear the word, they partake in the sacraments, they do all of that, and then they go back out into their community and try to live as a good, godly Christian blacksmith based on everything they learned on Sunday. And they got to ride that in their brain for seven days and then loop back and double back and then hear and then obey for seven days and then hear and then obey. Yeah. You know, And so it, it, we are spoiled in a sense that the pandemic that we hit Contrary to the Black Plague, which happened in Martin Luther's time, happened in a time where we do have access to that word and technology. Because even that was, if you think about that, for imagine being in, the, in a pandemic like ours right now when you don't have the written word. It's such a gift that we have. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even imagine that. So you were talking about earlier about the fact that, so Lutheran's eyes are being opened as he's teaching in the seminary class. If you could summarize... Um, Luther's view of Romans and kind of how it, you know, deviated from Roman Catholicism at the time. You know, I'm not trying to like yep. create a, a big argument here yeah. with people who may be listening yep. from both sides. But if you could d d just put a line of demarcation, what was he seeing in Romans that was blowing his mind from a Roman yeah. Catholic perspective, kind of coming out of that? Yep. So I think for Luther, um, justification is at the heart of what changed everything for him is as he's reading and studying the book of Romans and the book of Romans, like if there's a book on the theology of justification, it's Paul's letter right, to right. The Romans. Like that is like so through and through that letter. Um, but for Luther, he's coming, like he is just wrecked with guilt and shame. Um, and he's gotten into this deal, but like he's beat, beating himself up. He, like for him, he has no problem hearing the voice of the enemy. Like he has no problem knowing he is screwed up, that he is a mess, that he doesn't deserve God's love. Like he's, he gets that. Um, but then as he's unpacking and studying Romans, what he sees, he is beginning to read Paul's acknowledgement of some of the things he's experiencing, right? There's no one righteous, not even one, it's, it's Paul writes. Um, but then he begins to see this language, even language that includes the idea of adoption, um, language that justification is happening, and it's not because of our goodness. It's because of the goodness of Jesus. Um, and it's that that has run counter because he, everything he has heard and taught and experienced is, all right, it's about my obedience. It's about my goodness. It's about my faithfulness to the church, to her traditions, to any of these things that determines where I stand with Jesus. Um, and Paul and Romans is saying, no, you're a part of this kingdom. You are, you have been freed from the chains of the law and so you're adopted in, you are rescued from slavery. All of that language then gets used to say, all right, you're, you're in, you're a part of the kingdom. And that message is primary. Well, one of the things that I love about Lutheranism, and I'm probably the most Lutheran Calvinist you're ever going to meet, but uh, the, one of the things I love about Lutheranism is this focus on the distinction between law and gospel. And that's a really, really what we see in Romans. And it's been interesting preaching through Romans kind of from cover to cover. So you're working your way through there slowly. 
Paul does such a great job building law, 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 death, 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 the beginning um, yeah. that I every week I have to kind of say, okay, we have to fast forward for a second. <laughs> we have to jump forward in this because yeah. law is essential to teach. It is an essential role in in our lives, but it it has to be paired with gospel. It's the one-two punch of law gospel. Yep. It's and yeah, and so talk a little bit about just that law gospel distinction for those who are listening right now who never think about it in those categories. Talk about yeah. law gospel for a second. Yeah, so I think the that distinction would come down to when we read the scriptures, um, it, that you can see these very distinct ways that God speaks. Um, one being law, which would which would be the commands that do this, don't do this, or even the description of who we are because of our, our sin and the flesh, all of those things. And then the other word would be the gospel, which would be what Christ has done, um, which how Christ has brought the kingdom to earth, how we are a part of that. All of Christ's finished work, his, not, not just in his death and resurrection, but his, his living, his dying, his rising again in the continued um, ongoing work of Jesus, anything that Christ done has done for us that's independent of our work, that right, that would be the gospel work of Jesus. And so what we can see then is that when you read scriptures, the challenge can be sometimes we mix and mingle those things. So like a good example that I love to use is there, there's a story of the rich young ruler, right? And he comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to be saved? And so he asked Jesus that question and Jesus responds and he responds in a way that most evangelical Christians would say is the wrong answer. Like he says, all right, well, tell me the commandments. And so he, he responds and he says, well, you do this, you do this, you do this. And he's like, I've done all those things. And Jesus says, now, well, just give all everything you have to the poor. Um, and to which growing up, like I always looked at that and like, that's wrong. Like Jesus gives the wrong answer. You just believe in Jesus and you're saved. Like that's, that's what he needed to hear. Um, but understanding now this distinction of law and gospel, I think that helps because what Jesus is doing there is he actually is intentionally speaking law because he wants him to get to the end of himself in order to then cling to Jesus. And so what the rich young man actually walks away, he leaves that moment. He, like, he's like, I, I'm out, I'm not doing this. And the disciples are the ones who get it because they respond to Jesus and say, who then can be saved? And so the law is the, is the word that does the work to bring us to that point. Well, who then can be saved? Like, I can't do this. I can't measure up. I can't, I can't become the person that God wants me to be, but then it's the gospel that always comes in. And so we don't get to see how, how this rich young ruler, how his life unfolds. And if he hears the, how he hears the gospel at some point. Um, but for the disciples, then they experience and hear the gospel because Jesus, I like, that's me. Like, that's what I've come for because you can't be that person. And so both of those words are, though, are important. Like if you don't have one, something's missing. And so I think by default, most, most of us are really good at hearing the law. Um, but at the same time, sometimes there are areas of our life where we need to be reminded of that. We need to get those things chipped away at us or things smashed um, and confronted um, but the law is always for the sake of then leading us to Jesus, to the reminder of the hope, the peace, the joy, the love, the forgiveness that comes solely in. You know, I, I wonder if that's a, just a good reminder to us that the Christian faith and our churches 
there needs to be both the the gut punch of the law. We need to hear that sin is sin. We need to hear um, that we uh, have at our very core and in our very nature, we we have death <laughs> resides there. We need to get that yeah. deep in our yep. bones. And it is from that place that we need to hear that Jesus is the only answer and our work and our our effort has nothing yeah. to do with that. And, and I think that there are churches that are very yeah. good at one or very good at the other and very yeah. few churches and very few Christians yeah. that are able to do both and both. Well, why do you think that is that we get kind of get as churches and individuals kind of push the extra? We tend to go more law uh, than gospel. But why is it yeah. that that's so hard to hold that tension? I, th- I think it's hard just... I think with the bent towards the, the law, I think it's hard because of the human wiring. We want something to do. Um, and so the challenge can be is that's the way we're naturally wired to think. And so we think about do this, don't do this. Um, and so we can bend that way and we can lean in that way in a crushing way um, because maybe that's how we think, all right, that's the way church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be hard truth and we're, we got to preach the word and so if I don't feel bad about myself, we're not doing it. There's an element of that, but there's also the element of the law that even comes out because the law is highly practical. And so there, the law does tell me how to be a better husband, how to be a better dad. Um, and so I, what I think the challenge is, is we don't realize though, is that in all of those things, the law does always condemn, the law always con- accuses us um, if left in and of itself. And so that idea that if we, if we don't realize that we also need to point people to the hope of Jesus, we actually aren't given any power to do those things. But I think it's simply all of our world, right? You think of, um, you think of politics, you think of mommy blogs, like everything right, is bent right. to the law. Like they're telling you, do, do this, like do this, here's what you should eat. Here's how you should parent. Here's how you should school. Here's how you should vote. Um, and so like, so much is bent that way at the same time the bible does like demand that we talk about things like justice like the the bible expects it but without the justice bringer we're like what are we doing like we like we need the power that comes from the gospel and the power that the the holy spirit moves in us by the power of the gospel and so without that we're trying to do the law in and of our own power um, and so we need the gospel in order to do the law. Like they both, you can't. Right. It's, it's interesting. You mentioned other. mommy blogs as an example. And I think mommy blogs is a great example because <laughs> there was a season and an era where all the mommy blogs were, here's how you do the mommy stuff, right? Here's how you give your kids the great experiences, how you do the crafts, how you take them on the, you know, the, the field trips, do the mommy thing. And then there's been this decided shift in the last couple of years where mommy blogs have moved to the whole, I'm sitting on my couch drinking a glass of wine. My hair is crazy. I throw my hands in the air. This is real mommy life too. Don't judge me. All moms are going through this terrible experience. We're all bad moms. So it's almost like it. we've gone from law to complete and utter yeah. abandonment of any, you know, it's kind of swung all the way to the other, throwing the hands yeah. up in the air. And I think that's the beauty. The beauty of the gospel yeah. is, 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 realizing we are wretched and that Jesus has done all the work. So now we can breathe 
a sigh of relief and and yeah. live. And in a sense, we don't throw our hands up and say, oh, all is hopeless. We just kind of throw our hands up and say, yeah. Jesus, take me. I mean, you got this. And then we can just relax. Yep. It's Well, I think when you like that example too, right, of it almost like if it swings to the anything goes, I think we can feel like we're going away from the law. But I think in the end, you end up creating a new law because you think you're after freedom. And and like Paul even describes this, right? You end up a slave. And it's that idea that we think that what we want is no master and we end up a we end up just with yeah, the just wrong a different master. master. So, so, I mean, getting back to the book of Romans, I mean, you just that's a perfect segue back in Romans. Are there things in Romans that you think, OK, modern Western Christians have totally missed this in Romans. Like, are there you, every culture like, you know, you and I both we have friends all over the world in all different cultures. Um, what is it in American culture that we miss in Romans that we need to hear? I think, I think there's a couple things. Um, I think one is there's a lot of tension and you even described the tension of like, it starts law, 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 and it's heavy on that. I think we're not very good at being okay with the tension. Um, I think there's an element. It's okay to let the law push us and make us a little uncomfortable. And then it's okay when it comes and it feels like when, when Paul um, and even Luther at times feels like, he's, like he's saying like, we're not sinners. Like that sounds completely different than what you hear at the beginning of the book. And so being able to be okay with the tension that you can speak in both of these ways because they have different end goals in mind of what it does for us. I think that's so important. I think we, we want to resolve all of that tension into a nice, nice, neat and tidy system. We want to create a good systematic theology, which, which Paul is great for, but we don't need to put it all in these nice, neat boxes all the time. And then I think the other thing too, that especially in our world that I see more and more, when Paul uses the language of justification, that language of adoption also though, I think speaks really, really well to identity. Mm. And I think that we need to reclaim that identity metaphor into, into the way we talk about the gospel. Because justification as a theological concept, like when Luther describes, he's talking about a huge bucket. Um, in terms of just a strict language metaphor, it's a, it's a legal metaphor. And so, so many people though, the legal justification idea really ties into guilt more than it does shame. Identity and adoption really oh, so good. deals with the shame and so many people in our world right now are wrestling with like who am i and i am not this person because of the law the, the law is crushing us in a way that they said i'm not who jesus says i am and I, when we we there are so many people that that idea of shame and honor seems like it was an eastern kind of idea but that's flooded into the west um, and I hear it more and more. People just have no idea who they are. And that's rich in Romans as well. That Luther gets it maybe like hints at, um, but I think that pair, pairs so well with the justification Have you read, idea. there's a, a book uh, called uh, Reading Romans Through Eastern Eyes. Have you had a chance to read that? It's actually, I a, haven't. A, a, no. it's a really good book. It's written by a, a missionary in in. I believe China, he just says he's in an Eastern country, but he finds a lot of connections 
between the Eastern culture that he is serving in as a missionary and the Eastern culture that was part of the Roman Empire at the time. And he deals a lot with the shame oh, issue. Cool. And, and in even uh, the fact that there is uh, corporate guilt and shame and yet individual responsibility and that because of, we're Americans, we tend to only think about the individual part and we draw that into everything, like the guilt and the shame and all that. We, we make them all individualistic. But he says Romans does a good job showing corporate guilt, corporate shame and individual responsibility. So it's it's oh, a good. it's a good read. It's a it's a challenging read as somebody who's grown yeah. up Western and just uh, just yeah in our culture. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. so um so completely changing gears uh, because I I've been dying to yeah. ask you this as a Lutheran pastor. So Luther is <laughs> was notoriously colorful. <laughs> like like one of my favorite oh, things about Luther and you can find this out search online um a, a Luther insult generator. It's one of my favorite things uh, and and oh, you just I love that. you just yeah, can be so insulted good. by Luther over and over and over and over. And so I've been thinking just over the last couple months as the vitriol online has increased in so many areas. Do you think that Luther, because no one's perfect, was Luther out of line in his posture and his tone and his language toward his opponents? Or are we too sensitive to that as modern Christians? Or like, like I'm looking at Twitter and I'm wondering, Twitter, man, Luther would have thrived in the era of social media. Oh, gosh. He and he would have yeah. been oh, yeah. an absolute jerk. Both him and Calvin, man, yeah. those guys are those guys are tools. Like in, in the way, so yeah. so. Do you think that they were out of line, or do you think that we're too sensitive, or just I'm just your, your opinion? I'm just curious what you think. Uh, yeah, I, I like. I, I mean, I feel the same way when I look at it. Like it's like either like something is so different in the world, like 500 years ago, like. Like I, I like I don't get it. Like there's no way I would be okay with any pastor talking like that, <laughs> right? Um, online and like so like and I like I appreciate the courage, but it's like how do you like how do you earn any right to be heard when you when you act like that? So I I have I don't think it's right. Like unless I'm missing <laughs> something that the world was so different, um, I have no idea. Oh, yeah. How you get away so with that. so that's and that's what's crazy is because there's part of me that. That and I think it's my flesh that says that's right. Go yeah. get him, Luther. And it's the same. It's the uh, same right. part yeah. of my flesh that I think it's activated when I'm on social media, where right. where someone is. Yeah. Well, when someone is criticizing one of my opponents, but then as soon as somebody starts throwing that vitriol in my direction, the people that I support, I'm like, well, how dare you? That's not very Christian of you. <laughs> right. So yeah. I, I think it's part of my flesh that causes me to like. Luther's insults so much. Oh yeah, now, there's plenty, plenty of things that I've wanted to say to people that I that I've had, to, which I don't know if it was actually growing in how I'm following Jesus or just that I have a job <laughs> uh, that's actually stopping me. I'm not True. sure which one it is. So so as, um, but but there's no way like, and I don't know, like I I have a hard time even apart from right and wrong, it's definitely not effective in our world like was it was it effective or not like i don't know well i, I, no I do idea. think that there is too the idea of 
satire as a genre um, and and using it to critically attack ideas. Um, yeah. Sometimes that can come across as if it is mean spirited and 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 you know an ad hominem sort of attack, but it can really just be satire. Yeah. And I do think there's times I'm reading Luther yeah. and some of his stuff. That's how it feels. And then sometimes it just feels like he yeah. got to burn his saddle and somebody ticked him off and he's just going to, you know, yeah. so I think that there's a, a, just like all of us, he's, he's, he was growing in sanctification as well. Right. Yeah. Well, and then that's, and I think that's the distinction. Like, is he attacking an idea or is he attacking the person? I think and sometimes he was doing both and sometimes he was doing one yeah, or the other. Bit, so, yeah. so yeah, as a sure. Lutheran pastor, so I'm a non-denom pastor. Um, as I am studying yeah. and preaching Romans, what advice would you give me? Besides using your book as uh, I'm studying, but other than other than yeah, that. right, oh yeah, and get extra extra bo- yeah. books for the whole church. <laughs> That's what. <laughs> um, I th- I think it's the, just those ideas that we talked about. Um. I think as you start with Romans, I think you got to do what you're doing exactly. Of It's going to be heavy on the law. And so I think you do have to foreshadow where Romans is going. Otherwise, you're going to have weeks of just crushing people. So like you need that you need since you are studying and preparing and doing the whole like you need to take into the context the whole of Romans as you preach Romans one, two, three. Um, you know, in a sense, it's almost like the opposite of Galatians. It. Yeah. So in Galatians, because it yeah. is. It, it, it is yeah, gospel, 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 and then all of a sudden, therefore, because of all this, yeah. so you can kind of not foreshadow yeah. any of that. Yeah. But with Romans, you have to foreshadow right. it, I think. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it's reverse. And so I think teaching people, though, to be okay knowing that this the hard stuff, the, the, the bad news, in a sense, is also good news. It's not good news in what it does for you in Christ and what it accomplishes but it is doing a good work. It is, it, God is working through that to convict you, to show you your need for Jesus, to reveal the areas where you need to grow in, in your sanctification. It, sh- it is highlighting some things for you. And so even the bad news is good news um, because of where it leads you and points you. And so the more you can help people see that, that this is hard and this is convicting, it might even feel bad, but that's not bad if it points you to Jesus. If I leave you here, it's bad. Like I, like I can't just leave you there. And so if you, and that's like, that's the idea of why shame I think is so powerful because people get to that point and then we just keep giving more law. We say, oh, and you, oh, what about this and this and this? Like, so they get to the point where they're broken and they need Jesus and need to hear who God says they are. And they say, oh, well, let's just pile on more and more and more. And so if we can help people get to the point of, all right, when do I get to the end of myself? And now how do I look for and hear the mm. promises? And of that's a great uh, place to end, I really do think. So thank you so much for being on. Uh, it's good to see your face. I haven't been able to see you in person since this entire thing started. So oh, yeah. uh, RJ Grunwald, the, his book is called Reading Romans with Luther. I do really uh, recommend this book. What I love about it um, is it kind of goes back and forth between your thoughts and, and Martin Luther's thoughts. And it has some beautiful art in here, just ways, little pages you can either rip out or take pictures of um, to uh, 
little quotes that you can post. And so thank you so much for that. I'll put links to everything in the show notes. I appreciate having you on, brother. Thanks again. 